Listeners, welcome to the 13th Floor Podcast. Bing. Oh, good Lord. I am Cece. (laughs) I'm Alex. I'm James. And this week we're talking about superheroes. Are they? Superhumans. Superhumans. (laughs) Superhumans. Whatever. You guys... How have you guys been since the last time we recorded? Doing well. Just been just been doctoring doctoring Bruno. That's all I've been doing all week. Yeah. And Bruno's your puppy. British Little, lab. Beautiful puppy yeah. dog. Yeah. I don't know if you can call him a puppy when he's 150. Well, actually, really, he's actually more like 90 pounds, but he does not feel like 90 pounds. I was shocked when we weighed him. I was like, are you serious? <laughs> Wow. He, so, uh, does he bark with like a cockney accent? Roof. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, man. That was, that's not actually that far off. Oh, man. Uh, we've been, what, like, we haven't been up to much. We've been mm. up to plenty. Our daughter's gotten hives. Yeah, our daughter got hives. Mm. Oh, no, she had, stri- she had strep. Yeah, she had strep. And throat. then she got hives. And oh, then man. The and we were at the ER. Yeah. We had all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah, it's been really busy. I well, guess. Well, we haven't done a lot of fun stuff. Yeah, we've been. <laughs> <laughs> did they ever? Did they ever find out what caused the hives? Strep throat. Strep throat. Yeah. Really? I didn't know strep caused hives. Yeah. Weird. I had no idea either. Yeah. We were baffled yeah. by it. Yeah. I was thinking like, like maybe a Todd allergy or something. Yeah. Whoa. That's what we were thinking. Yeah, I was like getting ready to rewash like literally everything in our house, and mm. then nope, it was just strep throat. <laughs> yeah, but. Luckily, it looks like it's pretty much over. Yeah, hopefully. it's over. She's been her happy, normal self the entire time, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you've been doing a lot, though. Yeah, I've actually, I, you know what? I have been doing a lot. I, I started taking bar classes, pure bar classes. She's learning to make mixed drinks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I am exercising ballet style, uh. and it is brutal. It is brutal. James, I would love to see you in a bar amped class. <laughs> that would be funny. And then I've just been working a lot at coffee shops. And you guys, the other day, how, oh, th- is this a new thing? Everyone ordering their coffee with oat milk? Uh, oat? oat milk. Everywhere I go, everybody's like, um, I would like a latte with oat milk. And I'm just like, Ew. I've never heard anybody ask for that before. Uh, well, because it's beer. nonsense because oat doesn't have nipples. So, checkmate. <laughs> checkmate. Well, I uh, my favorite coffee shop in the city had a special this week, a special drink this week, seasonal. And it was like made with like pineapple and caramel. And I was Ooh. like, you know what? I'm going to live a little bit. I'm going to try it. It was, it was not good. It was gross. No. Mm. <laughs> and then I accidentally ordered an iced drink, which I hate iced coffee. So, that was. Uh, see, I love Starbucks was, new iced uh, Coffee with the pumpkin foam or whatever. Yeah, yeah the pumpkin cold brew, whatever yeah. it is. Starbucks, if you're listening, we're open to sponsorship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, I, well, my my go-to Starbucks drink is the Raspberry Brave Cappuccino. Yeah. It is divine. Just get me a iced guava white tea lemonade. Oh, yeah. That's Alex's that favorite. That sounds really good. I love guava. Yeah, it really is. Get it with no classic. Don't get any extra sugar in it. It doesn't need it. <sighs> I'm trying to cut back on my Starbucks because one might call me addicted. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, but we're, just- we're getting a new coffee shop that's opening up the road, so I'm excited. Oh, um, listeners, I know that I mentioned earlier that we're talking about 
superhumans, yeah. as Alex says. He'll correct me. Not I mean, superheroes. I, I guess some people could classify my two people as super. Heroes. Yeah, they're pretty. Yeah. yeah, they're superheroes. Yeah, and if you're DC, metahumans, because you know yeah. probably patent yeah, reasons. <laughs> I don't know. But Alex did not come up with an icebreaker, so I have had to come up with one. Yes. Last minute, mm-hmm. and you guys, I want to know if you could be friends with any Marvel superhero, uh. who would it be and why? <laughs> This is this is why you took my segment over. What? I'm, just, I'm kidding. I took your segment over because you didn't come up with one. <laughs> <laughs> Who would you guys want to be friends with? And, uh, oh man, oh wait, that, I think he's he's DC, isn't he? Yeah, he's DC. Who? You can, you know what? You can choose a DC superhero. Yeah, okay. you can be a traitor. Uh, <laughs> I I love the demon Etrigan because he he rhymes and he's cool. Yep, that's what I look for in my superhero. Yeah. Rhyming. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alex likes so many superheroes I would pick Mr. Fantastic Because we would go on wonderful adventures together What does Mr. Fantastic do? Well his powers are kind of lame He's just stretchy But he's super Yeah I was about to say I was like really? Mr. Fantastic So he could take me into space He could take me into other dimensions He could take me anywhere Because he's so intelligent (laughs) That was hilarious That was actually not too long ago There was a, a real old comic With you know Mr. Fantastic in it and Sue apologizes for some crazy thing she did. She's like, I've been such a fool. And he goes, not a fool, just a woman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that was back in the day. <laughs> that's an old one. Yeah, that's yeah. an old That's really old. Ouch. Yeah. Another reason to like Mr. Fantastic. Oh, Alex. <laughs> kidding. I'm kidding. I, um, I'm stuck between two. Stuck between Iron Man. You just, want, you just want him to share one of the suits with you. Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> He's got plenty. I don't blame you. Or Doctor Strange. Because I, I would love him to teach me how to do all the stuff that he does. But then at the same time, it's like, I feel like he would kind of be a bit of a, a jerk. Well, he is a jerk. but Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He would also teach you well. But would he be, If I guess if I were friends with him, it wouldn't matter. He wouldn't be a jerk to me if I'll we were friends. think about this way. If you were friends with him, you'd be friends with Wong. I would and love Wong to be friends with cool. Wong. I'll, yeah, I, I'm going to go with Doctor Strange. And yeah. isn't the next movie supposed to be a horror movie? The next yeah. Doctor Strange? Yeah. Doctor Strange and the, I can't remember, something of madness. Well, I can't wait to, to watch it. I wish the DC, since, you know, they're trying to be the more adult, edgy variation, They there needs to be an Etrigan movie. I'd watch the crap out of that, like a crossover with Constantine. That'd be awesome. You well, then would, why don't you write it? Yeah. James, I'm a, I hate to tell you, mm. but a someone who speaks only in rhyme may not sell well. <laughs> Um. <laughs> I didn't realize he only spoke in rhyme. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. I thought like, that's why I was so confused because I thought you said his name rhymed, James, and I was thinking to myself, that doesn't rhyme. Demon uh, Yeah. 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 It all makes sense now. Um <laughs> let's let's move past this embarrassment yeah. and let's let's, no, let's <laughs> stay on it a while. Let's swell on it. Let's talk about superhumans. I guess I'm gonna start things off today. Now I'm talking about telekinesis and telepathy. Are they possible? What do you guys think? No. No? James? <laughs> um, theoretically, sure. Theoretically. Okay, that's a good answer. I don't think telekinesis is possible. We already have it, sort of. It's more possible. Yeah, why don't, why don't you just hold your horses, boy? Oh, yeah. teach me. Hold, hold your horses, teach boy. Teach me. Yeah, let me teach you like uh, Dr. Strange is going to teach me someday. <laughs> um, I got most of my research from Live Science and Smithsonian, so psh, it's out there. Uh, today, I will be talking about telekinesis and a little bit about telepathy. 
Telekinesis is moving objects with your mind. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. I'm moving my hand with my mind. Yeah, yeah. you hear that paper? I'm floating. It's floating because mm-hmm. of me. Telepathy is communicating brain to brain without any spoken word. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to start off talking about telekinesis because I personally find this more interesting than telepathy. And telepathy just took me down a long winding road that just ended with upset. <laughs> but James, I'll have a question about telepathy for you in a little bit. Okay. So just, yeah, hold your horses. I'm going to ask you. Uh, but telekinesis. <laughs> I just, have you guys ever tried to move like an object independent of your body with your mind? Of course. Yeah. yeah? I think every kid has tried to do that. Yeah. yeah. I've never I, been successful. Yeah. Be great to prank a kid doing that with some fishing line. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God, Billy. <laughs> you have power. No, no. I'm going to have to do it to Gwen now. <laughs> oh. I, uh, I remember when I was little, I would I had a television in my room, and I would drop my remote off my bed. And my, I had a very tall bed, and I didn't want to get it. So You're I would trying. just sit there, and I would try and, like, think, is it come to my hand? Like... <laughs> remote control and it never did you're definitely one of those people that would not use their powers for good if they got yeah i would just i I would waste mine away i would just use it to like (laughs) to to pour myself a glass of water from the kitchen and bring it into me but pop culture obviously overflowing with famous telekinetics my personal favorite is matilda wormwood oh yeah (laughs) i was was thinking you might say carrie no no, oh man carrie Oh, that movie freaked me out. Yeah. Who's your guys' favorite telekinetic character? Jean Grey. Jean Grey? Actually, no. I like Professor X more than I do Jean Grey. Yeah. Jean Grey's... Oh, no, no. Telekinetic. So, that would be... Jean Grey. That would be Jean Grey. Yeah. I, I feel like... Even though I think... I think X, X does some telepathy some... or telekinesis, but he's mostly a telepath. Yeah. Oh, man. What about you, James? Who's your favorite? Until... You said Matilda. I was going to go with Raziel from the Legacy of Kane games. Man, this is the nerdiest episode we have ever done. Like, bar none. <laughs> uh, but, like, I, I, honestly, I kind of like Matilda now, now that you said it. <laughs> <laughs> Matilda, she was like my hero growing up. I just, yeah. I wish I could, oh, man. I looked Fun up fact, that. the actress who plays her is cousins with Ben Shapiro, the, the political commentator. How weird is that? But if you look at them really? both, they kind of look a little similar. Yeah. Weird, huh? Huh. How did where where did you just pull that out of your knowledge? <sighs> I don't even remember to be honest, but yeah, I was kind of freaked probably, out. Like they're probably out. not related at all. Yeah, I'm just, just, just lying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we've also got Yoda, Mary Poppins. Oh, man, I thought that was going to be your favorite. I guess James. everyone in Star Wars is a yeah telekinetic. Has telekinesis. Yeah, we got Neo. Yeah. We got a ton of comic book characters. The list goes on and on. Yeah. And oh, E. T. You guys, when did the idea of telekinesis become popular? Probably a long time ago. <laughs> I keep folding my notes a over because Alex years. is looking. A couple hundred Actually, years? Actually, probably even longer than that. Yeah. I feel mm. like that's something like, it's probably Egypt. The peasants were trying to move their, their horses. No. and No, they just... That's they how they built the pyramid. pyramid with it. Yeah. The pyramids? <laughs> hey, you know what? You're probably right. Or Stonehenge. <gasps> telekinesis. No, well, it really became popular in the late 1800s, well, so it wasn't uh, really that long ago. <laughs> disappointing. It was during the rise of spiritualism. Uh, of course, yeah. Yeah, sense. and James, you spoke about this in our Magical Thinking episode, about how like in the middle of a seance, like an object would float through the air, yeah. and it was often 
it, an it apple was, on fishing line. <laughs> if, yeah, an apple on fishing line, or in some cases, uh, the the medium would have a black clad uh, assistant who would just walk behind her with stuff, <laughs> nice. wearing like a black bodysuit. But yeah, in the middle of seances, people would think that the spirits were moving objects. And uh, Houdini, as James, if you'll remember from our Magical Thinking episode, Houdini helped call out almost all of the mediums as tricksters, easily explaining how they were moving objects and like replicating things himself. Mm-hmm. He did this in the 1920s, and the idea of telekinesis kind of like lost popularity until Duke researcher J.B. Rhine revived it in the 1930s and 40s. And he was actually a botanist, but he's basically <laughs> the father of parapsychology which is the study of supposed psychic abilities and paranormal activities. Weird. And he himself became interested in this stuff when he attended a speech by, can you guys guess who he listened to a speech to? And then was just like, oh. Was it one of the Fox sisters? Aleister Crowley. No. (laughs) It was Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh. Oh. Mr. Sherlock himself. Mr. Sherlock himself. But uh, Ryan carried out a lot of experiments, and while he claims to have gotten the results to indicate that some people might have telekinetic powers, his research has come under scrutiny. Oh, Um, yeah. I can believe that. (laughs) Yeah. One of his most popular experiments was having subjects throw dice, and he would tell them to land the dice on, like, specific numbers. And he claims that he got the results that would be like, oh, this is too much. It's far too unlikely that these people wouldn't be able to do this without me thinking. Like, But then you stop and think, these experiments have a an aspect of chance. So, yeah. right. Yeah. Mm. So obviously his method was not like solid proof. Mm. So let's flash forward to the 1970s. Have you guys heard of Yuri Geller? No. No? Mm-mm. James? What's his name? Yuri Geller. Oh goodness. Yes. Mr. Spoon. <laughs> yeah, he sued Pokemon. Cause he was like, Alakazam's based on me. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he sued a lot of people. It turns yeah. out he's a, a self-proclaimed psychic. Which I'm means he's not really quotes. a psychic. I mean, he's just he, a scammer. He's a magician. Yeah. This is honestly, you guys, this is where my research rabbit hole came in, into play. <laughs> Cause I probably spent five hours just watching <laughs> magic performances <laughs> while I was researching this guy. But Geller rose to fame and one of his most famous feats Bending spoons with his brain, mm-hmm. but you guys, he uh, he says he can do it. But yeah. all of his abilities have been replicated by magicians. Yeah. Which and Geller, he's not the most reputable guy. He tried suing, as James said, he tried suing Pokemon, but he also tried <laughs> suing magician skeptic James Randy two times after Randy called him out for basically being a fraud. But Geller lost both lawsuits and ended up having to settle and pay all of Randy's legal fees. Good. Cost him a lot of money. The Amazing James Randy's awesome. His book, Flim Flam, I highly recommend for anybody who's interested in a critique of magical thinking. Uh, That was another thing. I just probably ended up spending an hour just looking him up. I don't have very Uh, much information on him, but he does. James Randy. He's very interesting. But he has a million dollar prize ready for anybody who can prove that they can bend a spoon with their brain. Wow. Yeah. So you guys, we ought to start start putting our brain muscles to <laughs> practice. Alex is making weird faces right now. I'm trying to move the microphone. He's, yeah, he's trying to move the microphone. What would you What would you do if I just did this? Crack my pants. So would I. Live, and we would keep it edited in here. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, what scientific evidence do we have for telekinesis, you guys? 
None. It's fake. It's, we have zero. <laughs> there, there's. This is the trouble with it. People who claim to be able to bend spoons or move things with, with their minds, they're never able to replicate under scientifically controlled conditions. Hmm. So I read one. I can't remember the name of the so-called psychic who had telekinetic powers. But he went on a TV show and he tried to do it. And they were like, well, we want to make sure that you're, you know, not moving this. Just like blowing on these pages in this book to move them. So they put a whole bunch of little, little styrofoam bits around the book. And then he suddenly he couldn't do it. Mm, so telekinesis is also strongly linked with performance anxiety. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, exactly. But could telekinesis be possible in the future? And when I say telekinesis, James, I mean like moving objects independently of your body yes right that's that's what that means well james said he was moving his hand earlier yeah well there's i mean that that's a fascinating new thing with uh what you call it robot arms that link up to your nervous system well yeah yeah, and that's where i kind of got like a little i don't know tripped out by by my research because Mm. a lot of it kind of went into a more technological alleyway i I mean i've seen i've seen somebody using a drone with their brain i was like whoa and i do i feel like this is kind of like cheating because when i think of telekinesis i think of moving an object with just only magic yeah with magic only with your brain thoughts not having any like technology involved but Mm. uh there's a startup and this is kind of cool startup called neurable n-e-u-r-a-b-l-e they made a virtual reality game called awakening that allows players mm. to think about an object within view and manipulate it with their brains. And it's, uh, Whoa. yeah, it was really cool. I wish I could play. I don't think, I think it was just something they did, but they can basically what you do is you're in your little virtual reality set and they accomplish it with eye movement tracking and EEG sensors, electroencephalogram. Why would you need eye movement mm. tracking if you're doing it with your mind? Well, it's, Wouldn't your eye movement not You've matter? got to be able, well, You've got to be able to zero in on whatever object you want. Right. You've got to focus on it. It's a virtual reality game. It's not like you're not like, you know. Yeah, Alex, is, his eyes is are rolling it, back. Is it landing on you? No. But it sounds like a really cool <laughs> game. And it's 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 a really simple concept. Basically, you have to break out of a room. It's like a breakout room. Oh. But you're in this little room in the game, and you have to use objects in the game by just thinking about them to get out of the room. Mm, that's pretty There's cool. no controller. That yeah. sounds pretty neat. Yeah. I, I, I want to play that. And Elon Musk is actually working on something similar. Kind of getting us close to the singularity that James wants so bad. Which he's, uh, which he's like vehemently against. But I know, it he's also me working toward yeah. it, which is kind of strange. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. He, he confuses me a lot. <laughs> his, his version is called Neuralink. He's working to build an interface between brains and machines. And as of August this year... Musk says his tech will be ready for implant within the year. And his first goal is to use it to help people who've been paralyzed, which is, I think, probably his. Yeah. That's that's why he's doing it. But well, I guess he's more scared of artificial intelligence. Than but, well, that's the thing. Like, doing all this research on this is like, this could, but I think that he also kind of thinks that this is a way to kind of, like, combat it. I don't know. But he says that in the future, he thinks that the installation, because basically you have a chip, a, right. a microchip put into you. Um, he says installation will be as simple as LASIK surgery to just get that little chip implanted mm. in your brain. What well, might have a little robot suit and call over to me? <laughs> no, Mm-mm. I don't like it. I do not want to undergo this surgery. Okay, now let's briefly cover telepathy. 
because mm-hmm. as with telekinesis, there isn't much proof of mind-to-mind communication. Right. Now, Alex and I, we tried to be telepathic before we started recording this, actually, but... Yeah, we were 0 for 2. Yeah, we're 0 for 2. But there have been experiments in recent years that indicate that in the future, telepathy might be possible. Mm-hmm. Um, in tw- I think it was in 2014, scientists at a Barcelona-based research institute called Starlab were able to transmit a word telepathically in a sense, from a person in India to a person in France. Oh, uh, one word. Huh? They said hola and ciao. Oh, so it's, <laughs> that's two words. Yeah, but I guess it's Oh, so when Italian someone receives in, it. In Spanish. How can how convenient that it translates when you get the well, word. Well well I don't know if it I don't know if it translates, but they could have they probably did the experiment more than once and maybe sent two different words. That's and this funny. is according to Smithsonian.com. And the way the reason I say it's like kind of telepathy they had basically they had one person an EEG cap that would send the message by moving their hand in certain ways to the pattern of a binary code to some and someone in France wearing a transcranial magnetic stimulation system would see flashes of light which they would then be able to decode into a word so mm-hmm. yeah it took about 70 minutes to transmit a word so it's definitely not practical, but scientists say at this time it's really just a proof of concept. Like this could mm-hmm. be something that could be achievable in the future. And their goal is to help improve the way that people who are unable to speak can communicate with others. Okay. So this telepathy, it's not really brain to brain. It's using electric- well, electricity and stuff to enhance. It's, yeah. I can't, um, it's, okay. But it's still telepathy. And that's the thing. That's the thing with right? like all of the telekinesis and telepathy. Like everybody say it's possible. It's always possible with like a computer embedded. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But now, even though there's little proof that telepathy as we see it in movies existing where it's like, no technology involved, brain to brain. Uh, I did find an interesting little article, you guys, that gave instructions on how to become telepathic. Oh. This is according to WikiHow. Have a vat of nuclear waste dumped on your head. <laughs> do you want to know how to do it? Yeah. Sure. Listeners, I'm going to give Should there be you... a disclaimer before this? It's <clears throat> from WikiHow. I didn't come up with this. Okay. That's my disclaimer. Okay. But one, tune out your physical senses. Think... Eleven in Stranger Things, where she gets inside that like water chamber. Uh, oh yeah, that all black room, and then she sees yeah. the water on the floor. Yeah, she she tunes out all of her physical senses I'm so there. that she can only concentrate on the message to be sent. Two step two: stretch your muscles, perhaps through yoga. When you stretch your muscles, you feel relaxed and you're ready to send that message brain to brain. I guess. Uh, I feel like I'm becoming a Buddhist monk already. <laughs> Watch out! You might create a tulpa. Oh. Three. <laughs> Meditate to calm your mind. Also, be sure you're wearing loose clothing. I don't know why, but it says it says that's very important. That way, if you poop yourself, it's not too bad of a mess. <laughs> James, I feel like James would be able to send a message telepathically because yeah, he knows probably. how to meditate to calm his brain. There we go. Yeah. Four, visualize the person you're sending the message to. Look at a photo if it helps. Okay. 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 That makes sense. Step five. Imagine how it feels to communicate with the person. So I would picture myself talking with Alex and he's just rolling his eyes and at me. frustrated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Step six, focus on a simple image or word. You guys, you want to start out small. Don't try to telepathically send a message to your friend or your partner or whoever that's like, you know, 17 words long. Just one word. That's all you need. 
We tried colors earlier. We, yeah, we both tried failed. colors. We both failed. Seven. And this is the last step. Transmit your message. Oh, wait, no, there's two more steps. Transmit your message. And this is what it says specifically. I'm just going to read this straight from the article. Quote, after forming a clear mental image, imagine the object traveling from your mind into the receivers. Visualize yourself face to face with the receiver and say to them, Apple, or whichever word you're trying to transmit. In your mind's eye, see the look of realization on their faces. They understand what you're telling them. Are you going to be shocked that I told you Apple? Yeah, exactly. Like, (gasps) (laughs) you didn't say it, but I heard it. Eight. Ask the receiver to write down what comes to their mind. So in the picture, it was like the woman wrote fresh apple red. She Why got can't it. She just say it out loud. Because you want to write it down. And before you before you uh, send the message, you should write down what you want to say on a piece of paper. Okay. So that when they have it, you can like hold it up and it's just like, whoa, mm, we did it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That makes sense. And then nine, step nine, compare your results. And you guys, the more you practice, the better you'll get. Of course, it's just like anything. It's just a muscle you gotta flex. So, you guys, that's how you can become telepathic. I know James is probably going to try and become telepathic. He's gonna, we're gonna be like sitting at home one day, and then all of a sudden, we're gonna see a tarantula. We're gonna hear the, and you're gonna see tarantula. <laughs> we're gonna hear James's soft whispering voice in our head. Tarantula, James, <laughs> James, do it. Say tarantula in a whisper. Tarantula. <laughs> this sounds horrendous. Oh god. We're gonna end up selling our house and like moving out. It'll be just James sitting at home playing with us spiders. Yeah. James. Now <laughs> this is where I want so basically you guys, there's not much scientific evidence for telepathy or telekinesis as we see it in the movies and how mm. most people think of it when they think of those things. But James, you know, there's a lot of people who say that twins are telepathic. Yeah. Are you telepathic with your dear sister, Mandy? Yes, but not in the way that the movies would show. It's not like, you know, you think of a sandwich and then they were like, oh, James wants a sandwich or anything like that. But uh, if uh, when we were little, I didn't have to be in the same room or even in the same city. If she got hurt, I would feel it. And then similarly, even now, like if she's getting like some coming down with something, I will know immediately because I will develop symptoms like phantom symptoms, so mm. stuff like that. And yeah, it's something that we've we've documented a lot. <laughs> well, I read an article, I think it was by Live Science, that was just about whether or not twins were actually telepathic. And they say there, there I mean, there are some really strange anecdotes from yeah. twins. But yeah, there are. Scientifically, under scientific conditions, it's not really, there's right. no definitive proof. Yeah. Cece, what color am I thinking of? Red. <laughs> yeah. Really? Um, Good job. I got it. High five. (laughs) Oh, man. So that's all I really have for telepathy and telekinesis. So, James, you're talking about invincibility and invisibility? Yep. Yep. All right. Two big eyes. Yeah. Take it away. Okay. Well, let's start with invisibility because it's the least practical. And yet, it's not totally far off. Like, in. In terms of a person being able to turn invisible, like using magic or whatever, no, that's not going to happen. But in terms of using technology, that's totally plausible. I mean, there's a lot of things that we don't see every day because it's not in the visible spectrum. You know, I think we've gone over this before talking about uh, honeybees and uh, 
uh, shoot, mantis shrimp. You know, they see light within a spectrum that we don't see. Well, if something were to use that kind of technology to show a a frequency in an electromagnetic spectrum that we don't detect, uh, infrared, ultraviolet, we wouldn't be able to see it. So this is something that people are using right now. You've got stealth tech uh, to be invisible to radar. You've got cloaking devices uh, that are currently in the works from military projects. It's really not that out there, really. There's micro mirrors. There's a number of potential ways to occlude an object, including a person. What I think is more interesting, and I got this from the amazing scientific documentary, Hollow Man, <laughs> uh, <laughs> is, is the ethical ramifications of invisibility. Uh, I really like that movie simply because it, it illustrates that, I mean, I think out of all the powers, all the potential superpowers, I think that's the one that would mess with a person's mor- moral compass, like more more so than any other power. Like if you're really yeah. strong, you might not go on a killing spree. If you're really fast, you might not, I don't know, use that for evil somehow, like, I don't know, running through people. But if you're invisible, that's a huge temptation to just do whatever you want. Walk in and out of bank vaults because you're not yeah. accountable. Well, if you guys could be invisible, where would you go? Bank vaults. <laughs> James would go to bank vaults. Uh, Mine's really stupid, but I'd love to do it. I would break into the mall after hours and sleep in a bed at one of the department stores. Yeah, that was <laughs> you can do that now, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think they'll just yell at you in the morning. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> oh, I man. Would, I would probably pull pranks on people. Well, I feel like telepathy yeah. would also be very dangerous. Oh, sure. Yeah, that's oh, true. yeah. You yeah. make people think they're going crazy. Yeah, or you oh. could go crazy. Oh, man. The whole thing would be yeah. messed up. But anyways, James. Yeah, you were talking about telekinesis, how old it is. How old do you guys think invisibility is? I think that... Egyptians. <laughs> Egyptians. <laughs> the Egyptians um, again. I'm going to say Jeffrey Chaucer wrote about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Canterbury Tales. <laughs> well, in terms of of closeness, yeah, Alex, you got it. But it's not the Egyptians. It's it's old guys. It's it's prehistoric. Like every old story's got like some kind of ring or bracelet or cloak that turns somebody invisible. You got Chinese dragons who shrink down to a size where they're invisible. You got leprechauns doing the same thing. You got Puss in Boots doing the same thing. It's just. There's no record of when that started. I mean, it's just every single myth. You got something like that. You know, some hero who has a magic pair of boots. He puts them on. The monster can't see him. He slays the monster. Hooray. Oof. You know, it's it's old. So old. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think that the, the logic behind invisibility as a power, I, there's something callow about it. You know what I mean? Like, it seems yeah. like... Yeah, it's like an assassin's kind of power. It, there's there's something. It's not. Yeah, it's not really going to help anybody. Yeah, there's something unheroic about it, just inherently. I think when I think of invisibility, I think of you know, it's like that somebody who stabs somebody in the back or, or sneaks up on you. It's just not a pleasant thing. In fact, you know, kind of makes me think. I'm, I'm kind of rambling now, but do you guys know where the whole ninja thing comes from? Like why they wear those uniforms? No, Alex. I was soon to blend in with the environment. Well, at night, you're you're all you're almost there, Alex. 
uh, it is to blend in with our environment, but in a very different context. See, ninjas never actually wore those costumes, ever. It wasn't a ninja costume. It's just something we we see. And the reason why, I think this is so cool, and it kind of goes hand in hand with you were talking about, CC the uh, crap. What's it called when they channel spirits? Uh, uh, seances. Seances. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. Kind of like the seances, they have the assistant wearing all black. In the mm-hmm. old Japanese plays, you just get used to the fact that stagehands would move the scenes and, and different objects, and they just wear all black. They wore ninja clothes before they were considered ninja clothes. And then in one play, they were like, how are we going to like really shock the audience? Like just when they assassinate, you know, this one person on stage, we'll have one of the stagehands do it. And they did. It freaked people out. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened in this play that it stuck. It would be like watching a movie, like a murder mystery where you get to the end and, you know, you're expecting it to be one of the characters. And they're like, no, it was the cameraman. (laughs) The camera points. it's It's like so weird. Uh, and it's not That's like cool. super important to the story, but I just thought that was worth talking about because I think it's neat. More interesting, I think, than invisibility would be invincibility, though, which is yeah. the other big eye. Because, I mean, with illusion optics, sure, invisibility is possible. It's just it's not conceivable as a metaphysical concept. It's not something that a person could. There's There's no fraud or huckster in the world who claims to be able to turn invisible it's just that outlandish but invincibility is one of those things you can kind of lie about until somebody shoots you you know right so yeah people can claim to be invincible because it's almost like a a challenge to violence but i want to tell you guys a few stories about invincibility and you might be surprised by some of them let's start with uh when you think of invincible people from history who do you think of uh, I think of um, Bruce Willis in that movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, <laughs> oh, Unbreakable. Unbreakable. I thought you were joking, Alex. Uh, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> he is pretty invisible, though. Yeah. What be true, Alex? Uh, I was thinking about Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Well, how about <laughs> how about George Washington? Oh, yeah, yeah, that's You've heard true. This story? That's a pretty yeah. cool story. Was yeah. he invincible? Yeah, yeah like cool. to a point where they they would literally find his clothes after a battle. Like he'd take his cloak off and they look at it and it would, ju- yeah, yeah. The guy, I don't, like, there's no explanation. The guy got shot a few times without getting shot. He was, well, his, uh, his coat would be riddled with holes. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. What? Yeah, it's yeah. freaky. You know, there's a few possibilities. Maybe he did that not deliberately. Maybe he just like shot holes in his cloak so he could scare the crap out of people. Um, you know, that's what Napoleon did. That's why Napoleon wore red so that none of his men would see him bleed. Yeah. Hmm. I, uh, yeah. I mean, it'd be a pretty good tactic to increase morale on your side and just devastate the other side if they thought right? they couldn't even touch you. Yeah. But yeah, after battles, he would frequently have holes all throughout his clothes. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, Washington was kind of, sort of, in a roundabout way, invincible. And he was also freakishly tall for the period that he lived in, and he swore a lot. Like, he was a weird guy. Like, he would have stood out in in 18th century society tremendously. He was not, you know, it's so easy to think of him like, oh, powdered wig, he's just like everybody else. No, he was like a monster man <laughs> during the, the period. Mm. But And speaking of monster men, my favorite immortal or invincible fella uh, I'm not even convinced he's dead, would be the, the wizard monk Rasputin, 
who really deserves oh. his own episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rasputin does deserve his own episode. Yeah. I mean, the dude was like hypnotizing the princes and yeah, he did some weird stuff. Uh, presumably he's Wang Chung. <laughs> presumably he's Wang Chung's in a jar somewhere in Moscow. Uh, but this is the yeah. This is the weirdest thing though. This is the weirdest thing. Uh, people did not like him. The aristocrat of Russia did not like him. He was a commoner no. who was playing the uh, the royal family, and they didn't care for that. It went against their elitist sensibilities. So they stabbed him and poisoned him and clubbed him and shot him four times. And uh, didn't they throw him in a river? Yeah. Well, see, they threw him in a river after all that other stuff. He just like wagged his finger at them, like no joke. Think of that. This guy, they they poisoned him, stabbed him, shot him four times, clubbed him, and he was like, like wagging his finger. And they're like, okay, this dude is clearly a wizard. Uh, in case you know, again, hypnotizing princes into not having hemophilia wasn't weird enough. You know, they try to murder him, and nothing's going on. So they throw him in a river in a bag where he presumably died of hypothermia, but. But even then, they found him, like, clawing out of the blanket. So it wasn't even like he died quickly. What's going on with this dude? I mean, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> he's wow. a vampire. Yeah, he's he's something for sure. Uh, I mean, Only the sunlight got him. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's, that's the deal. But, well, I mean, really, pop culture is riddled with, like, Hellboy's a good example, with Rasputin being, like, an immortal wizard vampire monster man demon thing. It's It's nuts. But here's my favorite invincible character. I, I think that I'd kind of like to, to close out on this one because it's just when I, when you think of invincible animals, what do you think of? Ooh, invincible, uh, a lobster. That's a good one. I would say. I guess not a lobster. That's more of a mortal. Yeah, right? I, I would. Yeah, I would say I was going to say a turtle. Turtle. That's a good but, one. turtle. Yeah, like a tortoise, like yeah. a Galapagos turtle. Yeah. I'm trying to think of invincible. Cuttlefish. Cuttlefish. That's a good one. Well, in two- I would say an armadillo, but I've seen a dead armadillo before. Oh my god! I can't believe you said that, Cece, because that's the, the animal. Is it, I'm is talking it an about. armadillo? Yeah. yeah. Okay. This is what <laughs> this is this is what happened. Okay. This this is a real thing. In 2015, a man in Texas wanted to murder an armadillo for whatever reason. <laughs> I mean, it it feels like a cartoon. It, it's like some Elmer Fudd stole stuff. his wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so naturally, he uh, shot the armadillo, and the gun that he used worked. It didn't explode. It didn't backfire. Nothing was wrong. But the bullet <laughs> ricocheted mm-hmm. off the armadillo and shot him. So oh, yeah, yeah, he I've got. Heard this. You've heard this. He got shot <laughs> by shooting the armadillo. Uh, he did not die. So I guess that's good. And neither did the armadillo, obviously. So, I don't know. I just think that's the coolest thing ever. Like, the flipping armadillo that's invincible. I love the concept. Um, yeah. yeah. And now I'm kind of moving into a I sub. I got it. Huh? I got it. I guessed it. Oh, yeah. You, well, you guessed the opposite, sort of. But, yeah. Because <laughs> we're talking about how yeah, weak yeah, they are. Oh, man. But yeah. uh, um, kind of a subcategory of invincibility that I think would kind of be, I feel like I'm cheating and getting a third category, but, like, healing factors. Because, you know, when you think of invincibility, you think either they're impervious to damage or they repair from damage so quickly that it kind of makes it a moot point. You know, that's, that's sort of what Wolverine is famous for. And I love Wolverine. Yeah, yeah. 
And I just think it's interesting to consider the possibility of accelerating healing factors because out of all the superpowers, I think that's probably the most conceivable, like, like in terms of, yeah. of realism, because we're already, I mean, I actually had a friend who was doing experiments at UK on uh, um, axolotls because axolotls have an incredible regenerative healing factor. In fact, it's been so well known that if I remember right, the original like Resident Evil game, there was uh, there was an axolotl based enemy because of that. Axolotls are the only animals, excuse me, are the only animals that I'm aware of that are capable of actually regenerating their hearts. So if you if you cut an axolotl's heart in half and it survives, it will simply grow the other half back. And one of the experiments that he was doing involved actually giving axolotl hearts nicotine while simultaneously damaging them to see if it affected the healing rate because nicotine is a well-known stimulant that increases uh, cardiovascular response. So that's totally plausible, I think. And then if you look at it, uh, a lot of animals have different healing factors, different, uh, you know, we were talking about chartreuse last, uh, one of the past few episodes ago, because, you know, he he lost one of his legs and he'll grow it back. Is it growing back yet? Not yet, yet, but it will. Um, all it's going to happen is when, when the next time he molts, he's going to have a creepy little like baby leg. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then the time after that, it should be like just good as new. And it's huh. interesting because, you know, a lot of animals, we have a lot of impressive abilities. Our, our mental abilities are great. Our endurance is, you know, exceptional for an animal, but we don't have a, a great healing factor, especially when it comes to any kind of injuries around the spine or brain because our brains and spines are so complicated that the body's just like, I'm not even going to try. It's kind of like, you know, you break an abacus. It's like, I could just string these beads back on it, but you break a supercomputer. You, even the manufacturer is like, no, you just got to buy a new one. That's kind of how our brain and spine works. You know, a lot of animals, if they get damaged within those areas, they just regenerate. Like when a lizard drops its tail, that damages the spine, but you know, it regenerates because it's simple. In the case of humans, the most logical ex ways that we could uh, actually make use of a healing factor and accelerated factor would be either genetic therapy using maybe the same healing factor as axolotls, using uh, horseshoe crabs because they have a remarkable healing factor because they don't have a normal immune system. They just have like these globules that, that break down things. It's really interesting and worth, worth looking into. But uh, I think the most logical way that we could increase healing factor in addition to genetic engineering would probably be like I know we we covered this in the AI episode, but nanomachines, son, because, <laughs> you know, if you think about it, what is what is the healing factor of a human? It's just the rate in which our cells can repair damage, the rate in which they can replicate themselves and then take the place of cells that have been destroyed. Well, with nanomachines, you could literally heal someone instantaneously and then just wait it out until they're able to repair it cellularly. Hmm, yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, I think that'd be neat. I probably should have talked about that first and then finished on the armadillo. <laughs> well, I'm just amazed by how much our research, yours and mine, James, kind of took us into like a technology. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like an AI area. Science is the real magic. Yeah. Um, Alex, you are talking about strength and endurance. Yeah, which I guess you could modify with electronics or. You know, an Iron Man suit. Yeah. yeah. But I actually focused on two individuals who exhibit 
one trait of maybe a little superhuman strength and one trait of superhuman endurance. Oh. Yeah, see, and this is where our topics kind of diverge from yours because there aren't people who have like legit telekinetic or right, you yeah. know, at least not observed. Yeah, yeah, but there are people with shockingly different characteristics than us. They look the same, but their body is able to do things that I don't think some of us would be able to do. Then the first one is second act kind of Pievis, which is, uh, you know, let me try it one more time. Second act kind of via Pia. <laughs> it's it. Yeah. I, I don't know how to say Kenna that. Pieva. Kenna Pieva. Kenna Pieva. Second act kind of Pieva. And she's considered the strongest grandma in the world. Strongest grandma. I thought you were like, yeah, not strongest man, not strongest woman, strongest grandma. And she was even in the Guinness Book of World Records. Sakonet noticed that she had unusual strength when she was 10 years old. <laughs> so this is something she noticed when she was very young. She noticed that she was able to push a 661-pound container of grain. What the heck? A 10? All by, her, all by herself. Well, yeah. hello. So immediately, she noticed that she was able to do something... You know, she is pushing something that's equivalent to about three to four people in weight. Just imagine being 10 and be able to do that. At 10, you can't even push a normal adult half the time. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> you know? I, I wow. couldn't even do a push-up at 10. Yeah, so this is a 10-year-old moving the equivalent of about Where's four people. Where's she from? Guess. Sakonak. Oh, you flipping yes. uh, either Russia or Ukraine. Yeah, I think it's Russia. Yeah. Uh, the, the place that she's from is called, yeah, Dap, Dapanak or something like mm. that. And she looked like a sweet old Russian lady. Papushka. Yeah, exactly. I mean, everything about her house and home, and because there's a video of her doing a couple of these things, and it, it, it looked like Russia to me. So she rose to fame at the age of 76, which was, she, that was about eight years ago. And there's this video of her showing off some of her accomplished feats. They don't show all of them, but they do show Sakonat ripping a phone book in half. Nice. Uh, standing on a bed of nails while holding a 50-pound kettlebell, which for 76, that's pretty good. And she's standing on a bed of nails. The the I will say the bed of nails were kind of close together, so not quite as impressive, maybe. I'm, I'm picturing Hercule in like a wig and dress. <laughs> you are picturing a... The complete opposite. I mean, this looks like your typical old it lady. Looks like an old, she looks like an old woman. Like she looks like an old. She is exactly she's what you picture. She's adorable. Pic- yeah, she is adorable. She's exactly what you picture when you picture an old Russian mm. lady. Yeah. yeah, she's adorable. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but she can even twist two-inch steel rods. Like she can twist them, and she's able to break horseshoes in half. Nice. And these are all things that Guinness Book of World Records witnessed. So, yeah, she's pretty cool. I tried to look up to see if she's still going strong. And, well, the last time anyone wrote about her was back in 2011, back when she really rose to fame. And I saw some more articles since then, but they all claim she was 26. So either this lady has stayed 26 (laughs) for three to four years, or she's actually 84 now. But I don't know if she's still alive. I try to look into her, but I'm sure she's bench-pressing her grandchildren right now. Yeah. But yeah, she she doesn't look intimidating. She doesn't look like any, she looks like uh, a grandma. Yeah, and she she said you know she kind of mentioned that she had like a good life and that like her feet of strength didn't come from you know some horrific event happening. She's yeah. just <laughs> pushing grain. Is like oh, 
oh, I'm, I'm pushing this really heavy thing. Everybody's like, hey, can you open the pickle jar? Yeah, but the, but the video does show her ripping the phone book in half. She does. She does it. I mean, you know, she doesn't rip it in half in one go, but she she tears at it and like maybe two two pulls at it and it's in half. How? I don't know, right? Man. <laughs> but my next person is the example of endurance, and this is someone that Alex you know, I don't really excited researching. Well, this I don't guy. normally fall down a rabbit hole quite as much as like Cece does. Uh, I always do. You totally what? do. <laughs> Yeah. Do I? Okay. Well, I think I don't, but this time I definitely okay. did. <laughs> so now this is a this is Dean Carnes. I don't know if you all have seen him. Uh, he was in the media quite a bit, not probably ten years ago, but we probably didn't care back then. But so Dean Carnes uh, has he has a really interesting story. So he did this video interview. Uh, with this TV station that really gave me a lot of it. He, he gave me a lot of information about him. And it's almost immediately apparent that this guy is a freak of nature. And he's also like a really sweet and nice guy. <laughs> uh, so Carnes ran a lot when he was a child. But apparently he had this run-in with this coach who didn't he didn't get along with. And so when he was 15 years old, he gave up running. And he just completely quit. But suddenly, on his 30th birthday, he was kind of having a moment of reflection while he was sitting in a bar and realized that he wasn't happy with his life. He had a lot of success, a lot of money, and everything was really kind of going well for him, except for he didn't like where he was at. He was unhappy with his weight. He was unhappy with how much alcohol he'd been drinking. Apparently, it kind of alludes that maybe he had a bit of a problem. And... He got up, walked out of the bar that night, and ran 30 miles. That's crazy. On his 30th birthday, after not running for 15 years. He pulled a Forrest Gump. He pulled a And a lot of people compare him to Forrest Gump. Yeah. But he said he did it before. He's been running since before the movie. But after the movie came out, people started calling him Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he commented on that. And so, you know, he ran one mile for every year old he was. And he successfully did it. So, you know, that's not normal. No. I go out. I try to run a mile. And I'm like, <sighs> CeCe's like having to wheel me in, probably. No, you're wheeling me in. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but obviously, if you have the determination to run that far on a whim, you're probably going to keep running. Yeah. And that he did. So now he sleeps for about four hours a night. He gets up at 3 a.m., Runs a marathon in the morning, gets home, feeds his kids, does a little work from his home office, and then after that, he goes out for another run and runs either a quarter or a half marathon. But he does it at a much faster pace than he would for his marathon. Then he goes and picks up the kids and feeds them again so they don't have to eat fast food. That's what he said. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So the guy holds a world record for several things. But the first one that was really big for him was that he ran 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states. Wow. <laughs> yeah. In 50 days in 50 states? Yes. How did he get to Hawaii and... Okay. Yeah. What do you mean? Uh, no, that's just like... The, the, I'm just trying to picture like the time difference. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who sleeps four hours a night. Yeah. Yeah, he did. <laughs> he probably got a really good night's sleep on that plane. Yeah, and if he starts off in the right place, 
time's not really an mm-hmm. issue. Yeah, so that, that that's insane. But, you know, after hearing his morning schedule, he does a marathon every day. Yeah, it's nothing for him. So it's just a matter of traveling, getting everything going, and knocking it out. But then one day he did something crazy. He ran 350 miles nonstop. It took him 80 hours and 44 minutes to do it, and he didn't stop the entire time. Jeez. That makes my feet feel like they yeah. would fall off. 80 hours. And the craziest part is that he kept a pace of 13 minutes per mile the entire time. Did Has <laughs> he run the Barkley Marathon? He, he would crush it, yeah, probably. He would, he would probably crush it. Uh, I flip and flopped about reading the call log that he had between him and, and this interviewer that would just call him every, every so often, and he gives like very brief updates. And I, I'm, I am going to read some of the call logs. So during this 350-mile run, he has followed, he is doing it for charity, which is what really kicked it off. He started doing this whole thing for childhood organ donation. And he, he's going, and he's getting, his, starts, his cell phone starts going off at 750. That person asked him, asked how he's doing and all that stuff. He says, I dropped off my two kids. And then there's several updates, and he also lays out his plan. Every 50 miles, he's changing out pairs of shoes is his plan. And he he said he has three pairs that he rotates, so it's not a new pair every time, I guess. And then (laughs) on the Thursday, the next day, he says, skunk, I've seen lots of skunks out here. I've also seen bobcats, deer, coyote, and a lot of possums. Nice. <laughs> and then it, these tr- these huge trucks are dropping grapes all over the road. I'm in Napa Valley, so there's grapes everywhere. I'm making wine as I run. <laughs> so this is a very positive guy. I mean, this is that's on, he said that almost 24 hours into his run. At 9 a.m., mile 100 near Heddlesburg in the Alexander Valley is where this is happening. I feel how I think I should feel a hundred miles into it. I'm just putting one foot in front of the other, but coffee would be good. <laughs> and then he encounters some mid nineties degree temperatures in the middle of that day. Some mid nineties, mid nineties. And this is him. Uh, looks like 17 hours or no, sorry, 24 hour into his 80. No, 30 hours into his 80-mile run. No. And then he got a call. He goes, his update was, I ate some fresh berry pie, but I think I need something with more salt. Yesterday, I had a burrito with lots of trail mix, granola, and almonds. I have a variety of foods to choose from, but I always seem to want something else. And I can relate yeah, to that. me too. I always take food to work, and I never want it. I'm always <laughs> like, there's something else I want. But Yeah, I get that. And he keeps going at one point. He says, I'm still standing. My feet hurt the worst. I have blisters on top of blisters. I think I've lost four or five toenails. Poor little. I think it goes, poor little guys. <laughs> so he's still positive. Uh, but he, he, he went on to say that he doesn't think about when he's going to finish. He just, but he also, at, the tra- at two days, was saying he doesn't feel the gravitational pull of the finish. So he's kinda, it sounds like he's kind of losing a little motivation. And then he went on to update. Okay, so he does the he does the shoe rotation. Well, he also does a sock rotation. Oh yeah, his family rinses out the yeah. So he says he's rotating between six or seven pairs of socks, and his family rinses them out and then puts them in a freezer to cool them down. So I guess he gets a nice. Oh, that sounds so good. (laughs) I bet it is too. And my favorite update of his 
was got some chafing issues going on. Sure, yeah. <laughs> whether that was, yeah. yeah, I'm sure it was, I don't know well, whether that was thigh or nipple related. I'm uh, not sure. I was thinking thigh. That's what I was picturing. <laughs> But but this guy he's so fit. Uh, I don't I don't know if they're running. He looks running like a, he looks like a superhero. Yeah, he's 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 cut. I mean, he's aged a lot since a lot is his kind of prime. But he still he still looks good. And then the most interesting I thought was to me was I've been sleep running. I suddenly woke up and realized I'm still running. And the really bizarre thing is I feel like I got a little cat nap. <laughs> so this guy thinks he fell asleep while he's running and just kept going. I can see that. You know, there's people who die running marathons and they just keep running. Yeah, oh. and, and he mentioned that Yeah, there, there's some other updates where he's really worried about his safety because he starts to waver into traffic. And that was around mile 300. He starts to weave into traffic by mistake and so they have to take a different track that's a little more safe for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said that essentially that was the right thing to do uh, because he really it was... <laughs> he's, really kind of started struggling. And he said, this is the most out of body experience he felt was the last 10 miles. He just felt like he was kind of watching and instead of feeling pain, it was just like, he kind of went numb. And then he said at the end of the race, high five to the crew. I think I have hypothermia. I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) Man. Yeah. So apparently he, three days later, he said he was in every cell of his body was in immense pain. I, after yeah. running 350 miles, I can't imagine it not being that way. Right. But then he went on to say he might go for a two or three mile run. <laughs> <laughs> and he said ultimately his goal would be to do 500 miles. But I don't think he'll hit it because this art, these articles and interviews were done in 2006. And he still hasn't done it. And so he's edging towards, I believe he is uh, 40. Actually, I think he's about 58 now. I know he was four. I think he was 47 at the time of all these things happening. I feel like with running, it's like one of those things. Like I've got friends who run and it's like they're almost addicted to it. It sounds like to me like yeah. that's how he is. The endorphins. Too. Well, yeah. he, he says it's all about he, he just absolutely loves it. And he said that if there's every day he wakes up and running is no longer his passion he'll drop it because he, he, he he's like he's a probably an excellent motivational speaker he's a big believer in doing things you're passionate about uh, one of his lines in the interview was if you're passionate about pottery quit your job do pottery full-time and if you're passionate about it you'll be good at it hmm. Hmm. i was like hmm. that gives me hope uh, I, I i really like listening to him he's he's a he's a cool fun. dude yeah he's a cool dude he's a fun yeah. guy Neat. Yeah, those are my two examples of strength and endurance. Wow. Whew. That makes it like just thinking about that guy running 350 miles makes my feet hurt. For 80 hours. No, thank you. 80 hours. Man. Can you imagine? I'll leave him to that. I hate running. <laughs> it's unreal. I mean, oof. even the Barkley Marathon's nothing compared to that. No, I, I would love to see him do it. He would crush it. He's called an ultra marathoner. Is, is like the category he's in. Ultra. Yeah. And if, if, if you use ultra, to, I mean, he doesn't use it to describe himself, but if, you, if other people describe you as ultra, that's pretty, sounds pretty awesome. To Agreed. Me. Yeah. People usually just say I'm ultra lazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, well, cool. 
And I think that this has been a really cool episode. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I hope my call log didn't bore you too much. No, I thought it was interesting. But yeah. it was, uh, he had too many good lines and like glimpses into his own personality that I was like, eh, I'm yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Well, do you guys have anything you want to add before we go to bed? <laughs> um, I don't have anything to add about superhumans, except for I do think like strength and endurance are definitely things, as we've seen. Yeah. Sure. I do think there are certain people that have like just for some reason an insane ability to push things. Because these these are two the reason I picked these two individuals is because they were non adrenaline related. Yeah. They're two people that have these constant abilities to do something extra rather than be motivated by fear or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what fascinates me about strength. Cause a lot of times it's not really about mass. It's, it, it's like there's all these other factors that play a role. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. Like someone really lean, like Bruce Lee could probably oh, yeah. take out somebody much, much bigger and more exactly. muscular. Yeah. Hmm. Cool but, stuff, man. Yeah, it is cool. I, I, I don't I believe we'll get telepathy and telekinesis maybe with other enhancements. I don't know about telekinesis. Yeah. But uh, like I said, we're already we're already kinda there. We got people playing drones with their brains. That's true. We do. But I was also yours invisibility, I could totally see us using something like uh Avengers with the helicarrier, how they use cameras. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, to yeah. do camouflage like that. I mean, I remember back in the day when it was popular, I had an invisible monitor screen. Like, I used the camera to, like, you know, oh, film the, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah, so, you film totally behind it and you project that image on the other side so it's invisible. Yeah. Oh, that exactly. is cool. That is cool. So I can see that. And hmm? invincibility. There are some people that are hardier than others, for sure. Yeah. But invincible. I don't know if we'll ever, I guess nano machines will probably be the closest thing yeah. oh man <laughs> but yeah that's all i really got cool cool well you guys it's that time again time to pick our episode for next week oh yeah grab some... the the pot the boss pottery there's a lot of things in here this time no that's not that much alex what big <laughs> <Pick> one <laughs> all right i got the Denver Airport Conspiracy. Which is something I've never heard of in my life, so I'm excited to do this And one. this topic was submitted to us by Amy F. Oh, hey, Amy. Hey, Amy. We're Thank you for one. the topic. Doing this one for you. Shout out for the homies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Well, you guys, listeners, if you don't already follow us on social media, you should follow 13th Floor Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at 13th Floor Podcast or on Twitter at 13th Floor Pod. We also have a Facebook page. Alex, who does our music? Our music is by Grant Cook. You can find him on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere you listen to your music, and the song is Signal. All right, guys. Uh, This has been a wild and awesome, exciting episode, and we hope you'll join us next week for our equally awesome and exciting episode. Until next time, we hope you guys... Keep it straight.
Um, I would like a latte with oat milk. 